0: You're listening to a podcast from the University of Warwick. This series was produced as part of the conference All Together Now, British Theatre After Multiculturalism. The conference is organised in collaboration with the British Theatre Consortium. In this episode, we hear from playwright David Edgar, speaking as part of the panel discussion Access Schmaccess. How and why uh, do we
1: justify the arts uh, under... The successive Conservative administrations in the in the eighties and nineties, uh, the arts justified themselves ultimately at the, uh, the box office. If they if they were economically self-sustaining, they had their own justification. With the uh, often traumatic uh, uh, consequences that many people here will remember. But in nineteen ninety seven, uh, with the advent of New Labour, there was a, a new approach uh, that emerged, which was to see the arts. Um, as a means of social cohesion, uh, that the arts were going to offer new ways of identifying and expressing new forms of citizenship, that they could be uh, a way in which people could um, effect cultural self-expression, cultural self-articulation, and thereby integrate themselves into a wider uh, multicultural community. Um, this was uh, this was. This, this kind of cashed itself out in a series of, um, of, of policy shifts uh, and changes that, that people will remember. It was also, of course, quite controversial. A number of questions were asked about this policy. One of them would be, um, can the arts do the kinds of things that were, were expected of it? Is it any more reasonable to ask the theatre um, to be, uh, to be a, a way of mending... Um, uh, social fractures, is it any more reasonable to ask, ask it to do that than it, than it is to ask it to find a, a cure for cancer or to um, to repair the Arctic ice shelf? Um, there's a, a, a second question, I suppose, is, is whether it should do those things. Maybe the role of the arts, some people have said, uh, is actually to reveal the fractures uh, in, uh, in, a, in what uh, Michael Boyd and indeed David Cameron, have both called a broken society. Um, so perhaps the role of the arts is to exploit those differences, to make them much more apparent, to divide audiences. Um, and then, of course, there, there is a, a, there's a, a further question which touches on the, the multiculturalism debate in itself, uh, which is whether actually that, that notion of social cohesion is a politically coherent or responsible one at all. Maybe there is a life... In, in life, in the old dog of no i 'm getting my metaphors really they go badly wrong, maybe multiculturalism is is still an idea that has uh, uh, has some life in it. Um, then, of course, a couple of years ago, with um, signaled by an event like the the, the Brian McMaster 's report, there was a new emphasis on excellence uh, as as is the the sort of weasel word that 's often um, Used in these debates, the idea that the arts uh, were in a self self-justifying simply by the quality of the work that was produced. Obviously, I simplify um, the questions that could be asked about that, which of course is a is a fairly major pendulum s- uh, uh, swing to to uh, against um, that notion of arts of social engineering. The question about that is is whose excellence are we talking about? Is the notion of of artistic excellence, a retreat into a rather conservative uh, vision of artistic creativity that actually secretly promotes one very narrow strand in Britain's uh, multi-stranded diverse (laughs) culture. To talk about uh, some of these uh, questions, uh, we have at the far end of the table uh, writer and critic uh, Mark Lawson. Uh, next to him, Barbara Matthews, who is the Director of Theatre Strategy for Arts Council England. Uh, and to my right is not Ed Vasey, the Shadow, <laughs> <coughs> shadow uh, Minister for the Arts and, and, and Conservative OP. Uh, Ed Vasey pulled out a couple of days ago, uh, having apparently some local difficulty <laughs> with a pair of antique chairs. <laughs> but we, we, don't need to <coughs> we don't need to stress that. So, uh, at the last minute, and thank you very much, uh, uh, David Edgar, playwright, and and even more importantly, conference organiser, has agreed to step in. And we're going to be going in, we're going to start with uh, David and move down the panel. Uh,
0: Which gives me an opportunity to kind of justify after multiculturalism. Uh, Obviously, the multiculturalism that is referred to inside the conference is not multiculturalism as a fact but multiculturalism as a policy. Uh, Just over, uh, one of the reasons I'm particularly sad that Ed Vozzi bottled out, is that um, in just over a year's time, he's going to be arts minister. And he will be arts minister of a government uh, which has declared, uh, and I quote Dominic Grieve, who is not in any sense a wild man of the Tory right, but who chose the, the eve of the last Tory conference to declare not only that multiculturalism was a policy that had passed its time, but that it was a terrible, terrible mistake. That it had led to communities um, becoming separated, it had contributed to Trevor Phillips' uh, sleepwalking towards segregation, and it had led <coughs> directly and uh, indirectly and, uh, and in some senses directly uh, to terrorism. Uh, Multiculturalism is uh, the idea of of encouraging people to retain uh, the cultures either of the countries they came from or to define themselves in terms of different identities, particularly racial and religious identities, is a deeply unpopular one. And since the Bradford, Burnley, and Oldham riots of 2001, it has been a deeply unpopular idea through many swathes of the government and, and the giving way of the slogan of, of multiculturalism to the slogan of community cohesion, which is a very self-conscious thing that happened in the wake of those riots, um, is evidence for that, and, and, and I can't remember who's community secretary this week, uh, but whoever it is will be there because they have signed up to the idea that multiculturalism was a terrible error. Um, it sometimes seems, indeed, that the only people who are still committed to the idea of multiculturalism are a small group of people in a black box studio somewhere just to the south of the of the M6. Uh, I'm not sure it's quite as bad as that uh, but we mustn't kid ourselves um, that the policy which I believe and I'm about to argue the Arts Council still uh, pursues and, and takes as, a, as, a, as an uncontested good um, the arts are as they have been before and will be again in a kind of tiny bubble uh, surrounded by people who think multiculturalism has been a disaster. Um, I've come over here from, from Birmingham, which has uh, is proud to boast of the fact that it's got more miles of canals than Venice, which sounds very impressive until you realise that, of course, it's a great deal larger than Venice. But um, <laughs> Birmingham does probably have, and more interestingly in my view, the greatest constellation, concentration of castellations, arches, turrets, and other uh, pseudo-medieval items of architecture uh, uh, of any city in the country. And the reason for that is because at the turn of the 19th to 20th centuries, uh, the arts and crafts movement, William Morris, all of that, flourished in Birmingham as nowhere else. And um, how contradictory that was, how strange that was in a city whose center uh, was at that point uh, building uh, factories at the very cutting edge of modernity. And when the great Birmingham painter, Sir Edward Burne-Jones, was asked uh, uh, about this contradiction, why, surrounded by the mighty achievements of the Industrial Revolution, he chose his subjects from biblical and mythical imagination, his response was, the more factories they build, the more angels I will paint. Mm-hmm. Um, to, from which I take that he believed that arts, the art should be oppositional uh, to the culture around them. Um, and over the last ten years, however, Um, in fact, I think for much longer, the cultural sector has implicitly or explicitly been given a role, not of doing what Dan listed, of of challenging and and threatening and undermining, uh, but actually of cohering communities, of operating in order to combat social exclusion and bring communities together. And I guess because of that oppositional character, it's no surprise that people have been saying, uh, hang on a moment. Um, I guess the um, the idea of of the arts as um, as having that kind of social instrumental role um, is a kind of refraction of Labour arts policy, um, a kind of refraction of the policy uh, which I think you can sum up, which is why it's in the title of this session, in the word access. Uh, and the good thing about the word access uh, is that it embraced, I think, two things which certainly concerned Chris Smith, the first Labour. Um, uh, Secretary of State for Culture, Media, and Sport in, 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 in 1997, uh, which was the idea of participation, the idea that people should participate in the arts, both as you know, people producing art, but also as people attending art. And that seemed to me a real and good idea. Uh, and it was an idea that stood in stark contrast to the Tory idea of arts, which I think is summed up in the word heritage. Uh, and interestingly, the first thing Labour did was change the title of the culture ministry from the Department of Heritage to the Department of, the Department of Culture. Um, and that, I guess, um, that argument uh, was perhaps given its, its cleanest and most clear expression in the 2004 report of the Institute for Public Policy Review. Uh, which produced a book uh, uh, about the arts, largely written by social workers and uh, businessmen and people who weren't anything to do with the arts, uh, promoting the role of arts uh, as engaging socially excluded groups and encouraging wider audiences. And, and, and it was a very considerable document and, and um, is, is very persuasive. However, uh, its emphasis on measurable outcomes uh, how Many Single Mothers Did Your Oboe Concerto Get Back Into Work? Uh, led to a, a sea change around, around the same time, and I, I sometimes think it was because that book uh, put things in so stark terms that that happened. Nick Heitner's, virtually his first statement as Artistic Director of the National was to complain about the relentless focus uh, by funding organisations and others on the nature of our audience. Now, of course, he was then to combat that rather brilliantly with the £10 Travel season, which enabled many uh, people who wouldn't otherwise have been able to go to the National to do so. In the same year as the IPPR report, um, the new Secretary of State for Culture, Media and Sport, Tessa Gerald, just back in the, in, in, in the Cabinet, uh, sat down one Easter and wrote an anti-instrumentalist manifesto, which said... Uh, we 've made a mistake uh, we 've encouraged artists to, to to tick instrumental boxes, and, and we shouldn't have done, we shouldn 't have done that. We should rethink that and When James, James Pernell succeeded two secretaries of state ago, um, uh, his first sort of set of speeches to the arts community proclaimed the end of targetology and quite explicitly said uh, we 're going for the we 're we're, we're, we're no longer instrumental we 're about arts intrinsic qualities. We're we're no longer saying art is social work or policing or education carried on by other means. It's something quite different than that its virtue, which had been the burden of uh, Tessa Jarrell's song a couple of years before. But the coup de grace, which which Dan mentioned, and I'm sure Barbara will will as well, was the Brian McMaster Report, uh, which was was commissioned by James Pinnell and uh, reasserted the arts uh, re- reasserted excellence in the arts and defined excellence in a very high modernist way as innovation, quite controversially, I think. Uh, but it defined um, it, 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 it defined excellence in terms of of making it new, the great cry of the modernists in the first half of the 20th century, uh, and and a reassertion, I think, of that very sort of patrician view of the arts, uh, which succeeded in embracing high modernism. Uh, though not in embracing the sort of democratic spirit of the, of the marketplace. And it's a really interesting report. Um, under Thatcher, you can see power in the arts, as everywhere else, shifting from the producer to the consumer. Uh, Joel Purnell, and especially McMaster, propose shifting it back. I think a pendulum swing is almost an un- un- underestimate. The most striking thing in the McMaster report is its promotion of artist power. Peer reviews in, instead of bureaucrats' reviews. Artists back on the boards of theatres clear out the, the the accountants and 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 the fundraisers, uh, and a and a lack of interest in audiences. Uh, the diversity section of the master report, and there certainly is one, uh, doesn't mention is all about practitioners. It doesn't mention uh, diverse audiences at all, and it was seen very much, I think, by the people who had been critical of of of, of, uh, instrumentalism as being the great sea change. I would point out, however, that the Arts Council seems to me, uh, and Barbara will will speak of it, um, or counter it, uh, if if necessary, to be extremely concerned still with uh, with, with widening access to the arts, and in particular with widening audiences. Last October, the Arts Council's Director of Marketing and brand Development Uh, produced a report seeking to segment the English arts audiences into 13 targetable groups, from culture vultures and urban art eclectics, who go to the arts a lot, via fun fashion and friends, dinner and a show, and bedroom DJs, who don't go very much, to older and homebound and a quiet pint with the match, who are people who don't go at all. (laughs) And I hope Barbara will forgive me to referring to an as yet unpublished report, but the upcoming and much-awaited review of the last five years of of British theatre contains an unchallenged presumption that diversity both of practitioners and audiences is not only a good, but should remain a policy priority. When the challenge to instrumentalism began, I was one of those who feared that there was a baby being thrown out with the bathwater. The immediate response to Tessa Jowell, the first was an article by James Fenton, the poet in The Guardian, Uh, seemed to use what she was saying as a way of of, of reasserting the principle of arts for art's sake, down with this access pottiness, uh, was the title uh, that the sub-editors gave his piece. Uh, To which I felt it should be asserted that just because the arts aren't social work doesn't mean that they're not social. As Barbara knows, my fear about current Arts Council theater policy is that it tends to prioritize form over content. Most strikingly, in the 2007 Theater Review, which prioritized street arts, street arts circuses, uh, and experiment over new writing, um, this prioritized, in my view, pre- provocative theatrical form over oppositional uh, theatrical content. If the undoubtedly imaginative, physically-based, site-specific, devised, content light theater does finally become the mainstream, then I fear I I'll be with Burne Jones and his angels. Thank you, David. This conference was supported by the School of Theatre Performance and Cultural Policy Studies at the University of Warwick, Warwick Arts Centre, the Humanities Research Centre at the University of Warwick and the Department of Drama and Theatre at Royal Holloway.